Seattle Sports Snapshot. Will Russell Wilson be in Denver in 2024? Probably not. But we're going to learn whether he's going to play for another team in the next two weeks. That's what Broncos head coach Sean Payton told reporters at the Combine. For added context, Wilson's salary for 2025 becomes fully guaranteed on March 16th, and it's $37 million. So it's widely expected the Broncos will move on, particularly with a higher salary cap that allows them to more comfortably absorb more dead cap. Also from the Combine, John Schneider speaking with reporters. This from Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic. Quote, John Schneider says he sees Geno Smith as the Seahawks starter until he's not. Snapshot brought to you by Miller Lite. When it's game time, it's Miller time. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. All right, you guys, uh, as a reminder, there is a side broadcast of the Mariners Cactus League game that you can hear on the Seattle Sports app. Um, so just making that clear for everyone in case anyone wants to uh, to ask questions about that. We'll give you more info after we uh, finish our conversation with Austin here. The Athletics Michigan reporter Austin Meek joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Austin, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, Good. You know, we had uh, such a great time talking with you and getting to know a bit more about the Michigan Wolverines team ahead of the national championship game. And while I personally wish it would have gone a different way, uh, it was still congratulations to Michigan uh, on a win. And uh, and they also are now entering a season uh, without their head coach, looking at all kinds of uh, different faces on the team. So so both teams in such a weird place. We also brought you on, though, to talk about some other major things that have changed. Mike McDonald, who was a defensive coordinator at Michigan in 2021, now head coach of the Seahawks. We were hoping to get some insight uh, on Mike from you, as well as talk about JJ in just a minute. We'll start with Mike. What can you tell us about his time there with the Wolverines? You know, I'm not sure there was a more consequential hire that Jim Harbaugh made during his tenure at Michigan than hiring Mike McDonald to be his defensive coordinator. I remember when Michigan hired Mike McDonald, I think a lot of us here in Michigan were kind of like, who is this guy? You know, not somebody that that we were familiar with, not somebody who really had any track record at all coaching at at the college level, Uh, somebody who had come up through the Ravens system and was recommended to Jim Harbaugh by his his brother, John. And so I think um, initially when Mike McDonald took over as defensive coordinator at Michigan, um, I think there was, you know, a fair amount of. I don't want to say skepticism, but at least like wait and see what what's this going to be like? Because Michigan had um, was coming off of several years with Don Brown as the defensive coordinator, and it had started really well, and then just progressively um, the results had diminished under Don Brown, and so they needed a new voice, um, somebody to come in and and really revamp that defense. And Mike McDonald brought in the the Ravens scheme that now has become a staple at Michigan, and and it really I think turned around. Um, the direction of the program because Michigan was in a really rough spot coming off of the 2020 season when they were two and four. And um, that defense and the turnaround they had on defense the next year with Aiden Hutchinson as, as the leader of that defense really paved the way for, for all of the success that came after that for Michigan. So um, I think hiring Mike McDonald will go down as, as one of the best moves that, that Jim Harbaugh made during his time at Michigan. 
Um, obviously, he's uh, he ascended pretty quickly, right? In Mike McDonald, was there a moment where you thought that you went from okay, who is this guy to this is our guy? Did you have that moment? You know, I think we saw it over the course of the season. Um, I'm not sure if there was there was one moment. I mean, honestly, I think we started to see it really early in that season when Michigan played Washington. Um, Washington came to Ann Arbor in September that year, and the expectations were not very high for Michigan that season. And, and Michigan really dominated that game. Um, defensively, Michigan really dominated that game. So I think that was probably the first time that I thought, like, okay, they might have something here. Uh, with this guy as their defensive coordinator. And then, um, of course, at the end of the season when they when they beat Ohio State, um, that was probably the time that you really knew that um, that there was something special there. Um, but I think throughout the course of that season, we really saw um, saw that defense find its identity and, and saw the signs that Mike McDonald had a really bright future in coaching. Uh, when you're looking at J.J. McCarthy and what he was able to do, I remember some of the conversation around the national championship game was, hey, this Michigan team is really all about the defense. It's really about running the ball. Um, we had Mike Golick Jr. on who said, when Washington wants to win, they put it in Michael Penix's hands. Uh, and when Michigan wants to win, they take it out of J.J. McCarthy's hands. And he was just using an analogy about Michigan kind of being unafraid to really, really run the rock. But it kind of stuck with me. It made me like see J.J. McCarthy differently. Do you have a different narrative about him that might change my mind about him being more of a game manager? Well, I think it's absolutely true that the philosophy of Michigan's offense was built around the offensive line and, and the running game. And whether it was J.J. McCarthy or Cade McNamara before him, the quarterback position was was not asked to carry the offense the way we're used to seeing great quarterbacks carry offenses in college football. So I think it's absolutely a, a fair point uh, to say that J.J. McCarthy didn't have as much on his shoulders at Michigan as a lot of the other quarterbacks in his draft class. It doesn't mean uh, he's not just as talented or, or equally capable of being a great NFL quarterback. It just means he wasn't asked to do that at the college level the way some other guys were. Um, when we did see the game more in J.J. McCarthy's hands, I think we saw a lot of the things that scouts are really going to like about him. We saw some of the things that people are going to question about him going into the draft. So I, I think that he is capable and has a really high ceiling. Uh, but I also think that he is a little more of a risk just because he hasn't had the volume of, of attempts that a lot of other quarterbacks have had. And um, it's just earlier, I think, on his development curve compared to some other guys that played more football. Also, I want to know about the mind of J.J. McCarthy, man. You see those videos of him sitting underneath the goalpost before the games, meditating with no shoes on. You hear about him brushing his teeth with his opposite hand to stimulate a different part of his mind. Um, have you been around uh, a quarterback that thinks like him? And is there anything else we should know about just uh, the way he is? Yeah, he re he really is a – I would describe him as kind of a deep thinker, a guy who is very intentional about every part of his routine, really takes a holistic approach to the game of football takes care of himself really well. Um, what, what he puts into his body, how he sleeps. I remember he spent some time with Tom house, who is a famous quarterback guru. Um, Cause JJ McCarthy had some arm trouble after his freshman season. And there was a debate about whether he was going to have surgery or just rehab it. Uh, spent some time with Tom house that summer really picked up some things. I remember one of them was um, he got a new mattress 
and he was keeping his bedroom a certain temperature at night because I forget what it is. It's like 64 degrees or something is the optimal temperature uh, to get the best sleep. Like he's really, he's really into all of that stuff, all the little details. Um, and I think, you know, teams are going to appreciate the fact that he's really serious about his craft. Um, a lot of guys at his age are not maybe thinking about it that deeply. Uh, but, but he's really, um, I think he's really mature beyond his years in, in some ways and uh, was really taking a kind of a professional mindset uh, from really from the start of his career at Michigan. Where is uh, kind of the earliest and latest you envision him going? I know that for some of these guys, for us with Michael Penix, for instance, it's like, I don't know, he could he could drop, you know. Um, but where do you kind of see as the largest window for McCarthy? I mean, I think at the at the high end, it would be top ten. I think there's I think there's a very good possibility that he could get into the top ten. Um, I'd be really surprised if he falls out of the first round. So I would say, yeah, like top top, you know, probably not top five, but somewhere between five and ten would be the high end, and um, probably no lower than you know uh, twenty twenty five somewhere in there. I, I really think that you know, he's not going to be the first quarterback pick. Um, there's probably at least a couple guys who will be ahead of him, but we see it every year. Quarterbacks, um, quarterbacks climb. The closer we get to the draft, I think teams are going to find more reasons to talk themselves into JJ McCarthy. So I, I don't think he's going to be on the board very long. Tell me about Jay Harbaugh, special teams uh, coordinator for the Seahawks here. Young man, I believe he's, what, 34, 35 years old. Um, how did he get this opportunity? Obviously, I know he uh, has connections with McDonald and obviously his dad. But uh, what was it like when he was over there with Wolverines? We did a really good job with Michigan special teams. That was a strength of the program, really, throughout the time that he was in charge of it. It was a little bit of a surprise that he didn't go to the Chargers. That was widely expected that he would join his, his dad's staff. But I also understand from the perspective that he did have to answer a lot of questions at Michigan about uh, about working with his dad and you know just the the dynamic of that. And um, you know he'd been with his dad pretty much his whole career. He had some time with Mike Riley at Oregon state, but um, had, had been with his dad throughout a lot of his coaching career. And so I think the opportunity to uh, spread his wings a little bit, um, maybe get out from under Jim Harbaugh's shadow may have been appealing to him and, and the chance to do that with Mike McDonald, the coach, obviously he had connections with um, I'm sure may, made it even easier. Uh, so I, I thought he was a really good coach and a really a really smart guy you know pretty cerebral um you know whenever we would talk to him he was usually pretty open about talking strategy and um, analytics and all the different things that went into um, his approach with special teams so um, I, I think he's a really smart guy and um won't be surprised at all if, if he um, goes on to uh, continue climbing the ranks in the NFL. Hey, out of curiosity how soon did you guys get the impression that uh Jim Harbaugh could be leaving for the NFL? Oh gosh. I mean, it, it had been such a, you know, su such a daily, um, a daily story really for the last three years that, I mean, it never really felt like it stopped um, going back to, you know, 2021 um, every off season, you know, basically the entire month of January and into February was uh, Harbaugh watch. <laughs> we just got used to it. So I think everybody understood um, from the time the season ended that there was a good possibility that Jim Harbaugh would go back to the NFL. It's also one of those things like you've been expecting it so long that then when it finally happened, at least for me, it took me a minute to like 
realize, oh, okay, this is real. Like, he's actually leaving. There's still a part of me that's like, I wonder if he could actually go through with it because um, it had been speculated about for so long. But um, definitely not not a surprise, ultimately, that he went back to the NFL. There were a lot of things pointing in that, that direction. First and foremost, just the fact that I think he really was motivated to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's the one thing he couldn't do at Michigan. Uh, and I think until he took another shot at that, I think I think that was going to eat at him. So it wasn't a surprise to see him go back and try to do that. I want to go back to Mike McDonald. Um, one of the things we heard about him before uh, we actually met him, Stacey and I were, were lucky enough to be the first ones to interview him, was that, uh, you know, he's not a, an outgoing person, his personality or whatnot. And Stacey and I didn't get that feeling at all from him. Uh, where did that come from? And what did you think of his personality when he was over there in Michigan? Yeah, you know, we when we got to know him, you know, earlier in his career probably, so maybe before um before he'd sort of, you know, found his voice maybe as a as a coordinator and now as a head coach. Um it was the first time he was in that position when we were around him and I always got the impression that that um, you know, that he was a smart guy, um somebody who really thought about football in interesting ways. You know, not a guy who was necessarily like real flamboyant or, you know, not necessarily like a huge personality, more of just kind of a guy who um, really a football guy, I guess is how I would describe him. You know, a guy who's just really serious about football. And um, I like talking to those guys personally because, you know, Jesse Mentor was kind of the same way. Like if you ask those guys a question about football, you usually get an answer and not all coaches are that way. Some coaches, you ask them a football question and they'll just sort of like give you the cliche, but I was thought, you know, Mike and, and Jesse as well were pretty open in terms of talking philosophically about what they wanted to do. Um, and I'm sure that Mike has only gotten more comfortable with that as he's gone on and you know, having the experiences as the Ravens defensive coordinator and, and now as a head coach. I mean, that's a big part of the job, you know, um, talking to the media and, and fans and being in a more public facing role. And I, I think I think he'll adapt to that well. You know, it'll be a new role for him, but um, but I think he can handle it. Hey, last question for me is really just an outlook on Michigan as a whole. I mean, with Washington, we have a million and five question marks. The vast majority of starters from last year's national championship uh, appearance uh, have are either entering the NFL or entered the transfer portal. We've got a new head coach. You already know what went on with Washington. What's the outlook for Michigan? I mean, a, a bit of a different situation, but still lots of question marks. Yeah, similar in some ways. I mean, Michigan has 18 players at the Combine this week. Um, that's a lot of players, a lot of starters to replace. Uh, and that's before you even get into talking about the coaching staff. They not only lost Jim Harbaugh, but they lost a lot of his coaching staff that went with him uh, to the Chargers. Basically, the entire defensive staff went with him. So even though Sharon Moore uh, was Jim Harbaugh's offensive coordinator and, and was – the the kind of obvious guy to take over uh, and maintain some continuity. You know, there's not a lot of continuity in other ways, uh, either with the staff or with the roster. Um, now, Michigan does have a core of players coming back, like Will Johnson, uh, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, Colston Loveland, a lot of the players that um, that we remember from the championship game, and of course Donovan Edwards. So. That core, I think, will give Michigan something to build around, but they're going to have to rebuild. The team's going to look a lot different. The staff's going to look different. Uh, I think you know, it doesn't really feel like Michigan is just making a seamless transition uh, into the Sharon Moore era. It feels more like a fresh start and a, and a process mm-hmm. probably for Sharon Moore to try to 
get Michigan built back up to take another run at a championship. It's going to be really fascinating to watch from afar. He is Austin Meek, kind enough to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Thanks so much, Austin. Thanks, Austin. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye. Let's get to Headline Rewrites. Headline Rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacey. Headline number one, Sean Payton told the media at the NFL Combine today he expects to make a decision on Russell Wilson's future in the next two weeks. What's the real headline? Normally it's future concern with Russell Wilson, not the other way around. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting here. Now we're all expecting, of course, that Russell Wilson will be gone. Um, what was that in sync song? Gone. Oh yeah. This is great radio, by it's the way. Go. What's the name of our group, guys? We should start uh, Out of Sync. Out yeah. of Sync. You got Dri- it. Dripping Sync. Uh, <laughs> great names. You guys vote on that. Uh, I'm saying, I mean, it, why wait two weeks? Why not just get it over with? Are there dates or anything specific that he's waiting just for? Just March 16th. I don't know about the interim, though. To, to answer truthfully, the only one I know of is March 16th as a deadline. Just let him go. You, you look at, you hear Sean Payton say those words. You hear Russell Wilson speaking to Brandon Marshall on his podcast. Russell's trying to get in front of things. He's he's spitting the truth. Like, look, man, nine games left. They're telling me, to, you know, I, they don't want me to play or change my contract or we're going to see you. NFL PA says you can't do that. It's so messy over there in Denver. What are you waiting for? You ever held on to a relationship that's a bit too long? Like, ah, I should mm-hmm. probably let this go like six months ago, but I forced it. That's what's happening over here with the Denver Broncos, man. Uh, just let it go. Move on. As soon as I saw Sean Payton get at Russell Wilson on the sideline like that, I go, that ain't going to work. And you seem to also think that Russell Wilson knows he's moving on. You were kind of re-watching the um, video from the I Am Athlete interview mm-hmm. with Brandon Marshall, which is a great interview. There's a podcast version. There's a video version. Russell Wilson talking about how he wants to win two Super Bowls over the next five years, hopes it in, hopes it's in Denver, excuse me, but also wants to be at a place that wants him. Yeah. And you were like, it's, he knows he's gone. He knows he's gone. He wouldn't have that interview. He wouldn't have done it if he thought he would still be there. Yeah. Just get it over with. I really, really hope that your theory happens, that he goes to Atlanta. I know Kirk Cousins is this is the prime free agent quarterback right now and has had a much better season last year, even mm. when most of it was lost due to injury than did Russell. He's going to be number one. Where does Russ fit there? I mean, he's not going to be carrying that contract. I saw a video of Kirk Cousins throwing a football on a tennis court. That drawback didn't look too healthy. He's still got some work to do. Um, the thing you're going to get with Russell is that you know he's going to be healthy and he's going to be rejuvenated. This is his last chance to be a starter in this league, like consistently, not a yeah. guy who's a backup who gets an opportunity. A guy week one is going to be the dude. So I think he might be a bit more motivated. You've had your failures. You try to be the dude. You can still be the dude, but just in a different way, man. So, uh, Russ, man, good luck to you. Hope you find a home. Someone from the 425 suggested you stink. You stink. But it's S-T-Y-N-C. That's pretty clever. That's clever. That's really clever, clever. 425. That's a good one. But I'm offended, so. Yeah, but also I'm blocking you right now, 425. It was clever and I appreciate it, but unfortunately (laughs) we're enemies now for life. I'm so sorry. (laughs) What's next? Headline rewrites. Headline number two, Baltimore GM Eric DaCosta said the team plans on franchise tagging Justin Matabuike if they cannot get an extension done before March 5th. What's the real headline? It's the equivalent of, you can't break up with me. I'm trapping you here on a one-year contract. Trapped, son. You trapped. And that's a good place to be trapped, though. I mean, if I'm going to be trapped on a football team, I I wouldn't mind uh, 
playing in Baltimore. Now, uh, I don't know. Did they hire their defensive coordinator yet? I'm sure they have over there in Baltimore. They're probably just going to run it back with the Mike McDonald defense. But now it's about how many guys on that defense are going to come back. You got Geno Stone, who's still uh, a free agent. You got Queen, who's a free agent. Uh, Clowney, who's a free agent. But this is what happens when we have success, right? Guys move on and, and they look for money. But I think the foundation of that team, it starts with Matabuke. Mm-hmm. Now it's about trying to get Queen back in the mix. So uh, lots of teams are going to be uh, trying to holler at Queen. We'll see if Baltimore can hold him down. It is, of course, relevant to Seahawks fans who were hoping that Justin Matabuke would be potentially acquired by the Seahawks. I know a lot of us were looking, including you, Bump, at that Baltimore to Seattle pipeline. Like, right. who's this new head coach going to bring from that defense? The portal, the portal. Um, you know, who's this new head coach going to bring from that defense? And it feels like the number of opportunities is dwindling. But right, that's so, okay. So, so Matabuke is gone, but you still got Clowney. You still got I don't know if you want to do clowny games, but I take You still have Queen because they're not going to use this on Queen. Still got Queen, and you still got uh, Geno Smith or Geno Stone. Sorry, so would we'll you see. want Queen over bringing back Jordan Brooks at twice the cost? Essentially. Oh man, that's dirty. That's I'm just dirty. saying. I'm just saying. You got to think like. I want both of them. I would love both of both. them. I would love both, and I would love having Patrick Queen here. But he is going to be so much more than Jordan Brooks, yeah. at least from spot track. I don't know. I'm not and a half expert. is what they're saying. Eighteen and a half. Eighteen and a half compared to like 11, 12. Yeah. Hey, but you just got thirty more million to work with. That's so. That's very true. You know, make it enough. Headline rewrites. Headline number three, the Kraken beat the East leading Bruins in a back and forth 4-3 shootout win last night. What's the real headline? With all due respect to Mark Wahlberg and Maura Dooley, there's no greater feeling than sticking it to a team from Boston. I don't care what that team is. Straight up. It could be a Boston, an inspiring, touching Olympic story. And I'm still going to be like, Yeah! Only thing I like from Boston is that movie Brothers with Wahlberg and Tyrese. Uh, that's about it. Anything else from Boston? Is that Boston? the Four Brothers movie? Four Brothers. Is it Four Brothers? That is a good movie. Yeah, it's Four Brothers. Sad. I like it. It's a good movie, though. Yeah, I like it. it is. Anything else? It's uncivilized, and I don't, I don't appreciate it. I mean, it. Boston Cream Pie Donuts. Stacy, um, don't good. do this. I'm just saying. We're not supporting. You know what? You know what? Boston. You know what's garbage? That Sam Clam Adams. Clam Sam chowder. Adams beer is garbage from Boston. <laughs> uh... Fenway seems like an interesting place to go see. It's a see. great, great spot to watch. Uh, what, are you, of course, what are you guys doing? You have the, oh, my bad. My you bad. Have the Boston it's Tea terrible. Party. That was important. You know what I mean? Like, that was something that mattered to history, you know I guess. Who, Tupac is frowning on y'all right now. What West do you side mean? all day. Uh, West side all day, but I'm just saying there are things to come <laughs> nah, from the east side of nothing. the United States. The const- the Declaration of Independence. You know what I mean? Like, just certain things. They contributed nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. Big, big respect to the east, but uh, no, I'm from L.A., so there's no Boston love in me at all. But what is dope is that the Kraken have beaten them twice in the last, what, week or so. So uh, you keep it rolling, man. They play up to their comp. They play down to their comp. Uh, I think Bajor Strand it got a goal. First, yeah. first goal in like eight games for my guy over there. So, uh, Come on, fellas. Vince done. Get her done. Keep it rolling. Matt Damon. I mess with Matt Damon. Right? Yeah, I mess with Matt okay. Damon. Okay. Okay. Because I, I do too. And Nelson and Kent texted in. So you didn't like The Departed, which I ha- which I literally read in my I read The Departed. <laughs> in my head, I read as The Departed. You know, I like that <laughs> You didn't too. like The Departed? It's a great movie. I love The Departed. <laughs> it's so love good. It. Or the right, town. Stop making me say things I like about Boston. I, you know, I really actually don't want you guys to keep doing this because there is a growing list of things that I do like from Boston, <laughs> but Good none of them hunting. are sports teams. An Good amazing film. And here's the thing that I like to think. Here's This is canon. Will in Goodwill Hunting, spoiler alert, when Ben, uh, ben Affleck goes to the door to knock on the door and he tells him one day I'm going to go to your door and you're not going to be there and it's because you're too good for this place and he goes and he locks on the door and, and then he knows he smiles and he goes to the car because he knows that he's left and he is too good he is too good and he's leaving he's going to something better 
he went to join the CIA where he became Jason Bourne. Ooh. I am telling you right now, Goodwill Hunting Ooh. is a prequel to the Bourne yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling that. That is directly before he became that. That's what he went to do. He was a genius. He went to go to like FBI, CIA yeah, yeah, school, yeah. like the Hogwarts yeah. version of whatever that is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like whatever Hogwarts for uh, spies is. Uh, <laughs> he went to go do that. Hey, and they someone told me in. the Four Brothers was filmed in Detroit. Oh, we mess with Detroit. Uh, I yeah, take I it back, Boston. I, I you rock know, with Detroit. Uh, <laughs> what's, the what's the clip of T.I., ATL, ripping the chain from her neck? That's what I'm doing with four yeah, brothers yeah, ripping it from that. Boston's take neck. That, take that. That's not yours That's me. Anymore. I'm not bad, Wahlberg. I stereotyped you, man. Yeah, I'm really sorry I, I about that. I you in Boston. I apologize, Our man. sincere apologies. My bad, dog. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on the Seattle Sports app and Seattle Sports. Uh, taking a look around the NFL next. Don't go anywhere. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. We just spoke with the, the Athletics Michigan reporter Austin Meek about J.J. McCarthy trying to learn more about a potential option for the Seahawks at pick number 16. Another opinion on J.J. McCarthy, this one from Mel Kuyper, who didn't give J.J. glowing praise today when comparing him to Daniel Jones. We'll get to J.J. down the line a little bit here. He's a tough one for me. I'm at 23 on my big board. But I think when you look at mock drafts and projecting where he'll go, I do think he's definitely going to be QB4. I will say this, Daniel Jones to me is and will be, when we look back to the careers of Daniel Jones and J.J. McCarthy, Daniel Jones is going to be a better quarterback. Daniel Jones has already shown mm. he can be a winning NFL quarterback, a really good quarterback. Thinks Daniel Jones will have a better pro career than J.J. McCarthy. Now, J.J. hasn't had a chance to be a pro. Daniel has. It's been a mixed bag. What do you think? Whoa, whoa, whoa. He said Daniel Jones has had a really good career already. Is that I'm gonna, what I heard? I'm going to play really it one more time. It's only 20 seconds. I'm gonna, it's only 20 seconds. I'm going to play it one more time so that I can, before ripping it apart, I need to make sure I'm hearing it right. We'll get to J.J. down the line a little bit here. He's a tough one for me. I'm at 23 on my big board. But I think when you look at mock drafts and projecting where he'll go, I do think he's definitely going to be QB4. I will say this. Daniel Jones, to me, is and will be, when we look back to the careers of Daniel Jones and J.J. McCarthy, Daniel Jones is going to be a better quarterback. Daniel Jones has already shown he can be a winning NFL quarterback, a really good quarterback. So overall, when he we said, look back on their careers. Yeah, I got that part. I want to hear the last part. He said Daniel Jones has shown that he's already mm -hmm. a winning NFL quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's won some games. I wouldn't say he's a winning NFL quarterback. Um, who knows what's going to happen with J.J. McCarthy and Daniel Jones? I think it's unfair to throw Daniel Jones into this mix and, and pair him up with J.J. McCarthy and, and say those things. Who really knows? It's all a gamble. I look at Daniel Jones right now. And I go, look, there's probably about 10 other quarterbacks I take over Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones had one really good year, but here's the thing. He's had had a decent career so far. 3,000 yards his first year, um, 2,000, 2,000, 3,200. He's been okay, but there's nothing that says he's going to be great. So what I'm hearing is that he doesn't expect J.J. McCarthy to be great. Just your average quarterback that gets a couple contracts and finds his way to survive in the league. I, uh, we are in the business of hot takes. And I can criticize another take and also recognize I'm going to have a million and five that are wrong. You're going to have some that are wrong. Brock, Mike, 
uh, Wyman, all of us are in this business where we're wrong 90% of the time. You know, you're looking for that, like, if you're hitting over 300, you're a Hall of Famer type career when it comes to sports takes. <laughs> That's just the nature of it. But to me, it's still wild. To me, it's still wild to look at J.J. McCarthy, who has not had a chance to start an NFL game and say that when all is said and done with both of their careers, that Daniel Jones will clearly have a better career. Like, that is a wild comparison to make. It's almost like a comparison that's not even needed. It can't honestly. be disproven right it's now. It's like, all right, most quarterbacks have bad careers. That's just what yeah, it is. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't even need that comparison. Why even do that to JJ? Let him be his, his self. An interesting meeting here between former NFC West foes, former Chargers head coach, and obviously former Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley has reportedly met with the 49ers about their vacant defensive coordinator job. Yeah, that's probably his best bet, being a D coordinator. Here's the thing, man. His ascend is crazy. Forget what you what you think about Staley and his um his his shortcomings over there with the Chargers, man. He was a D three head coach and made his way up. Now, with the Rams, that one year he had with the Rams, number one overall defense, number one against the pass, number three against the run, number one when it comes to points allowed. With the Chargers in three seasons, never had a top 10 defense. Mm -hmm. So you can look at personnel, you can look at scheme, or you can just look at the responsibility that he had being a head coach and say, maybe that's not a good fit for him. Get him back to where uh, he started, where his origins are, just being a defensive coordinator, and see what happens over there. I'll tell you one thing, whoever is the 49ers quarterback they got something to work with over there guys get healthy sign a couple dudes you're good to go it is really interesting the situation over there wondering kind of what happened i mean to me it was so clearly a scapegoat situation with steve wilkes but so many people out of the san francisco area swear up and down that there was more to it and who am i not covering that team to be like yeah right there was you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. Then let's see what this defense looks like with yeah. a different guy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there clearly was an issue with some of what Wilkes did or with that. You know, there's also something to consider that he didn't have a lot of his own staff. He mm-hmm. kind of came in as defensive coordinator with a lot of the framework that Shanahan had built around him rather than yeah. a lot of his own guys. It's like a weird situation. It's personnel privilege over there with the 49ers. Yeah. You've had four different coordinators in how many years and that defense has been on point. Plug in, play, see what he does. Oh, 425, everyone at 710 bats over 300. That's so sweet. Oh, that's really nice. I would say I'm more of um like a draw, walk, get hit by a pitch kind of host. <laughs> you slap uh, better? Yeah, yeah. I'm more of like, a, you know, uh, you know, maybe I do a little flopping. Hey, I you lay know. the button down. Yeah, I just I'll lay, lay a the button, button down, you know, get on. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm stealing. You know I'm stealing. Yeah. You know I'm stealing. I'll be uh, a pinch runner kind of situation. Right. Like, I count it as, you know, I got on base. <laughs> <laughs> I know that doesn't affect my average, <laughs> but my on base percentage, right? That's very nice. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr., let's talk about him because he's doing something kind of different. He's not going to hire an agent. He's not going to test at the Combine. You guys already know he wasn't going to go through those skills. He said that yesterday. Um, And he will also not test at Ohio State's Pro Day. Why do I love this flex so bad? You do? I kind of do. He goes, look, no agent. I'm getting all the money. No Combine. I interviewed though. No Pro Day. Look at the film. You know what I can do. I ain't mad at Marvin Harrison. He's considered the best receiver in this draft. Okay, so be it. These guys don't have to do this. There are dudes who are on the bubble, second, third round, fourth round, or whatnot, trying to sneak in the NFL draft. Those guys got to do it. There are a few who ain't got to do diddly. Mm -hmm. He's one of them dudes. 
Uh, all right, let's see. Heading around. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't want to spoil your four downs, so I'm going to skip this one. Instead, we're going to go with the Bucks. The Bucks will release former All-Pro pass rusher Shaq Barrett, a potential fit in Seattle. Uh, possibly. Oh, here's the only thing is that I, I don't you know. He's not long in the tooth like in reality. But, you know, when you start talking football, my man's long in the tooth. He's 31 years old. Um you explore it. If it makes sense to McDonald, it makes sense to me. I trust mm-hmm. him 100% when it comes to building his defense. Yeah, I'm I'm still wondering, like, you know, if you could have waved a magic wand and gotten to see one alternate version of, like, the Seahawks season, like, what if blank didn't happen? I think mine would be, what know. if Uchenna Nwosu mm-hmm. wasn't hurt? Because I, I wish that I could know how far away that defense was because I think that did so much more than we think and yep. I wonder if I'd have a completely different vision of what they need. Another one I would do is what if Abe Lucas was healthy the whole season? Oh, that helps yes. that offensive line a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I could enter the season feeling that pieces of the offensive line, pieces of the pass rush were really good and right there, and you just needed to add complementary pieces, mm-hmm. I'd feel different. And I worry that the way I see the defense now is that there are way more pieces than they actually need. I think. You I, know what I mean? Yeah, I think. Um, the, like, does your does your gut tell you they're closer than than maybe we think they are right now? Yeah. No, because nothing. No moves have been made. No, sorry. I mean, um, that they that that defense at times felt atrocious but that they are ultimately better than they were last year. They are better than what they were last year. I 100%. You can bring the whole squad back and not change nothing. I think with the change in coaching staff, they will automatically be better. Good enough to win a Super Bowl? Uh, We'll see. I don't think so, but uh, you never know. All right. Uh, Last uh, story here in NFL headlines. During Tuesday's, this is from Kevin Patra on NFL.com. During Tuesday's media session at the Scouting Combine, uh, we heard from a lot of head coaches. We already told you the story about Sean Payton talking about Russell Wilson. Uh, Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell was talking about Kirk Cousins, who's going to be, what, the number two free agent behind Chris Jones, certainly Mm -hmm. the top free agent quarterback. They feel that he wants to remain with the Vikings. Should he and would you if you were Kirk? Yeah, I'll stay right there with Justin Jefferson with Jordan over there. Um, what, Cook is the running back? No, Cook left. Um, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know. <laughs> There's the RB over there. Anyway, <laughs> stay right there. You got a good thing going. Um, you got a young head coach, OC, who knows what he's doing. I'd stay put. Someone said not Brock. We were talking about, you know, all of us being baseball players, like the type of players. They said not Brock. According to service, he's uncoachable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I didn't hear that part. No, I think I think Brock would be would be great. I'm not, I'm just saying, you know, Brock would be closer to cleanup than not is what I'm saying about, about Brock. Brock, no, Brock's pitching, man. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a good role. He's pitching. That's a good role for him. He's, He's in the rotation. Ace. I like that. Okay. Um, we're going to take a look at some of what we learned from John Schneider's Combine press conference, and then we're going to be joined by Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle, who is also there at the Combine. Don't go anywhere. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Okay, the following quotes from John Schneider are not available via audio yet. Uh, I'm just pulling them from Bob Condota, the Seattle Times. Um, and then we're going to bring on John Boyle, who was at John Schneider's press conference from the Combine. And then John Schneider talked with reporters separately, not off the record, clearly, but away from the podium where those were more exclusive quotes. So John was also at that. So we'll ask him about that information as well. 
That's coming your way in 15 minutes. This is what we know now. So we're going to get back to the stuff about Gino. The quote that led off the show that we heard this morning, like as the show was starting, was John Schneider saying, Gino is our starter until he's not. Ironically, we were going to start the show by going over Mike McDonald's sound where Mike McDonald was asked about Gino and Drew as part of the Seahawks future and was like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, I don't know yet. John sounds pretty confident. And, you know, some listeners were wondering, like, is this the same as is he our guy or is saying, you know, he's the starter until he's not a lower vote of confidence. Um, and I've got one more quote to throw to you, Bump, mm-hmm. to combine with that. He was asked about Gino's contract, that being the restructure that they did. John said, quote, he was going to be here. It was a matter of like, when are we going to tell him we're going to do this with his roster bonus? Yeah, exactly. Um, here's the thing about reading the quote is you don't hear how John said it, right? He's our guy until he's not. It's not like I mean, he's our guy until he's not. Yeah. Or is it? I guess, I guess he's, he's our, our guy. guy until he's not. You know, I'm just when I hear that he's our guy until he's not. To me, if I'm Gino, I go, that's all I need. Do y'all don't realize how Gino functions? He functions as an underdog. He functions as a guy who just needs one shot. And he'll take that shot. Then if he gets another one, he'll take the next shot. To me, this is that shot. Mm-hmm. He's our guy until he's not. He's going to play. He's going to be the starter week one. He's going to play throughout this season. He would have to be play so poorly for them to bench him and bring in Drew Locke. I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people heard that quote or read that quote, and they're like, oh, I don't know. He didn't say, he's our guy. We're going forward with Gino. No, that's not John's personality, I don't think. And I think that if I'm Gino, that's enough for me. Give me a year. I'll prove I'll prove all the haters wrong once again, and let's keep the good times rolling. Yeah, I think it's fair to wonder if there's some doubt there, but I think it's because there's only a handful of quarterbacks in which a general manager, not a head coach, a general manager would say, this person is it. Like, we're not moving on from this person. Um, and I think his response is on par with that, like, second, third tier of quarterbacks where you know he's the best starter you have right now, but you're keeping your options open. Um, you know, maybe they draft J.J. McCarthy and love him in training camp. Maybe they are saying all of this to make Gino as, you know, palatable a trade candidate as possible. Who knows? But well, I think it is a, 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 a vote of confidence I was surprised by. Once again, Stacey, there are only 14 to 13 teams who are not keeping their options open, who know who their guys are going to be for the next couple of years, maybe. And Gino's at a position in his career to where he's going to prove it every mm-hmm. year type of deal. And I think he understands that. Um, so, no, I like the quote, honestly. I think that it's enough. I think it's enough for the O-line to get on board, for DK and the receivers, for whoever the tight ends are going to be, for the running back room. It's enough to say we know who our leader is going mm-hmm. into OTAs, and that's what you need. Imagine going into OTAs and having that uncertainty at the quarterback spot. Um, it's just a different type of field there. You need your leader. And uh, that's enough for me to believe that John's giving this guy another shot, and he believes that he can get it done. I also thought this was interesting. It's Andrew Locke and, importantly, a few other free agents. This quote also from Bob Condota, quoting John Schneider. Asked about Drew Locke, Schneider noted he's a free agent said what he thought of all the free agents, that they'll meet with them soon and get that process started. This part stood out to me, but, quote, he said the team considers him and their future plans. We've got a cool group of guys, and we want to get all of them back. That's interesting to me, because to me, that's not just Drew. That might mean Jordan. That might mean Colby. Mm -hmm. That might mean Noah Fant. Yeah. Um, 
all of them back ain't real though, right? No. You mean all right, our our, our dudes. In a perfect world, you can bring back Jordan Brooks and still get Queen. You could um have Kobe still work on whatever position you need him to work on. You could get a healthy Jamal and insert him. But now I look at that quote and it's a bit different. With Gino, I go, all right, that's 100%. He believes in this guy. With that, he goes, look, I ain't telling y'all what's going down, really. I like all these dudes. Mm -hmm. I like all of them. But Mm -hmm. business is going to decide exactly what we can do with everybody because you can't keep everybody. And everybody might not want to come back on the bill or the price tag that the Hawks are going to offer. There's still some negotiation that has to go. Um, that needs to happen. So that quote is a bit different for me. When you start talking about multiple guys and you lump them in all and, uh, into, into one conversation, it, it gets a little messy. But when you're just talking about that's our guy, that's where it's a bit clearer for me. Yeah, I think it's uh... – I don't know. I feel like there was a lot here to take from John Schneider, and I was surprised by it. Wanting to bring back a lot of free agents. we Saying we want to get all of them back. Uh, saying that Gino's the starter. Obviously, until he's not, is an important part of that. But, like, a little more clarity and a little more definitive, definitive, definitive language from Schneider than I was I expecting. I like definitive. I like definitive, too. <laughs> <laughs> We've been struggling with words all day. Oh all my God. day. All day. Um Obviously, we're going to bring on uh, John Boyle, who was there at these interviews and and hearing from John Schneider and everything that John had to say. Um, I think these next couple weeks are going to be interesting. I mean, we know around the league there's going to be all kinds of decisions, right? Um, Vikings are going to do their best effort to bring back Kirk Cousins. Uh, the Chiefs are going to try to figure out if they can hang on to both Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones, obviously with Jones being the more vital of the two. Um, you're going to have Russell Wilson probably out in Denver. Here in Seattle, not as many people are focusing on those big names, but they have a lot of decisions to make. And among them are going to be, do you bring back the exact same quarterback duo? Do you bring back Gino? decide to move forward and draft a quarterback? Do you spend big money on Patrick Queen in lieu of bringing back Jordan Brooks? Like, Do you go after Antoine Winfield, who uh, who's a safety, who's a yeah, free agent? Yeah, and then move on from Jamal and or, and I hate this, Quandre. Exactly. Do you um, finally get something done with Leonard Williams, who's ranked number 18th when it comes to the mm-hmm. top available free agents? Uh, do you... Look at uh, Frankie Louvu, 27-year-old Go Cougs, who's a free agent. Like there, There's so much talent out there that we narrow it down to the guys that we like, that we focus on, right? The Queens, the Matabukes, mm-hmm. all that stuff, for good reason. We feel like it's going to be a good pit, pick. But we also can't ignore all the other possibilities because there are some of these guys that can get for cheaper, that they're younger, that Mike McDonald might think is a better fit, that uh, Ryan Grubb might want to hit in his offense. Uh, we state the obvious, but... And I think the obvious should be stated because sometimes the obvious just works out. But this is where Schneider makes his money. He's gonna he's got to dig and cut through the weeds and find his guys for this team. If they end up drafting a quarterback, like if they end up drafting J.J. McCarthy at 16, or, you know, maybe they trade back a few picks and still get him. Point being, if they have a young quarterback in here, also a new head coach. Is this the most fascinating Seahawks season since Pete Carroll and Easy. John first got here. Easily. Right? Easily. This and is it, the most intrigued I've been in an offseason. I know that's kind of a trope that like every single offseason, this is the most fascinating battle nah. or whatever. This nah. is the most interesting offseason. But like, I mean it. <laughs> no, it is. You got a new head coach, new DC, new OC, all new coaches. John Schneider is the guy by himself right now. You got a, a quarterback 
who you signed a couple of years ago who didn't have the greatest season, but you feel like you can play. You got talent on the offensive roster. You got pieces on the defense that need to be moved around. It is a brand new day here in Seattle. And uh, at first it hurt, but now I'm here for it, man. Mm-hmm. It hurt to see Pete go. But after talking to McDonald and Grubb and Dirty, I think we feel good about their philosophy. Now it's about getting players and coaches to fit their philosophy. All right. John Boyle, who was there talking to John Schneider, is going to join us next on- Don't go anywhere.